Welcome to the Victory of the Lamb podcast. We are a simple, straightforward Bible teaching church in Katy, Texas. If you are in the area, we'd love for you to stop by anytime. Otherwise, we hope you use this podcast to grow in your faith and be confident in sharing it with many. You can find us online at VOTL.org. We hope you enjoy this message, and God bless your week. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Abraham Lincoln was a captain of a war before he was embarrassingly demoted to private. Later on in Lincoln's career, he was in a presidential election in 1856. And some of you might know that he lost that election. But then, four years later, in 1860, he won the presidential election. Where would Abraham Lincoln be if he did not have all of those failures in his life? Another one is Walt Disney. I don't know if many of you know this, but Walt Disney was a writer for a newspaper. And the newspaper company fired him because they claimed that his imagination wasn't good enough. Yeah. Where would Walt Disney have been if he wasn't fired from a newspaper company? And then we have Michael Jordan. Some of you may have heard of him. He was a freshman trying to make the varsity high school basketball team. He got cut, but then was motivated to practice harder and work hard, and he made the varsity basketball team the very next year. Where would Michael Jordan have been if he wasn't cut from the freshman varsity basketball team? All these examples I am giving you today are examples of people whose motivation changed because something significant happened in their lives. Well, today, our lives are also changed. Our motivation is changed as well because something significant has happened. And that something significant that has happened in our lives is way more important than anything that happened in their lives. In our sermon verses for this morning, we're going to take a look at Isaiah and see how his motivation, his perspective, changed from one way to totally uh, the opposite way. Isaiah went from thinking that he was this terrible, awful sinner to having confidence in spreading the gospel to all unbelievers. And unlike Lincoln, Disney, and Jordan, Isaiah's change of motivation, change in perspective, was not because of anything that he failed to do. It was because he had forgiveness of sins. And that same forgiveness of sins that Isaiah had is the same exact forgiveness of sins we have today. That forgiveness 
of sins changes our motivation and our perspective from being an unclean, awful sinner to being motivated to spread God's gospel because our sins are forgiven. To begin our sermon for this morning, let's take a look at verse 1, just the first half of verse 1. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, Now, before we go any farther, I want to give you a little summary history of why Isaiah was writing about King Uzziah. You see, Isaiah recorded everything that King Uzziah did throughout his kingship. And Isaiah told told the people of Judah that King Uzziah was dead. This was to be a warning to the people of Judah. A warning in letting them know that their time of peace and prosperity was about to end. You see, the people of Judah did not obey God very well. And God tried to send many prophets to have them change their ways. And yet they did not change their ways, as you can tell. So God thought that he should bring someone in to tell them that their peace and prosperity was going to end. And the person that God chose was Isaiah. Now that we have a little background information on Isaiah and why he was talking about King Uzziah's death, let's continue on with our verses for this morning. We begin with Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 4. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above them were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling out to one another, Holy, 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 is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. We see that the Lord is calling Isaiah to be his prophet. And Isaiah is told that he is going to be a prophet through a vision. Now, in Isaiah's vision, he sees God and these creatures called seraphim. Now, the word seraphim only appears in these verses. And what seraphim are, are angels, but they are of higher rank angels. And these angels who are of high rank were covering themselves from head to toe. And they did this to show that they were not powerful enough. They were not holy enough. They were not even close to God to even look at his face. And since these all-powerful seraphim, the highest ranked of angels, could not even look at God because of how powerful God is, how much harder it is compared to us 
and God. Then Isaiah hears the seraphim praising and proclaiming to the Lord. And here's what they were saying to one another. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. The seraphim in their praise and proclamation to the Lord praised God and called him holy. Now when we say that our God is holy, we are saying that he is an almighty, all-powerful God who hates sin, who lives a perfect life, who wants to destroy sin, who is a perfect judge. And continuing on, we see that the powerful praise that the seraphim knew that their God was holy shook the doorposts and the thresholds, and the temple was filled with smoke. Wow. What goosebumps Isaiah must have had hearing the praise and proclamation of the seraphim and also seeing God with his own eyes, something that a lot of people have not been able to do. So then you would think, Isaiah would think of himself as a worthy candidate. I mean, God brought him this vision. But instead, Isaiah thought the exact opposite of himself. Isaiah saw himself as an unclean, sinful human being, a person who lived the exact opposite of how God wanted him to live. Let's take a look at verse 5. Isaiah says, Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. When we are in the presence of the Lord, we have to proclaim to God the same thing Isaiah is proclaiming, because we are also unclean and unholy. And the reason why we have to admit to God all these things is because of how holy he truly is and how truly unclean and sinful we truly are. We are not worthy to be called God's servant. And we have to admit our sins because it is true that we think badly about other people and we hold a grudge against others. We have to admit that we allow the unbelievers' lives to get involved with our lives, and we do the same exact things they do. We gossip, we lie, and we cheat, and we get addicted to these earthly things that are on this earth. And yet, we are so horrible that unbelievers see us as Christians and they don't see us as Christians. They see us as sinful people. And they cannot tell the difference between the way a Christian lives and the way an unbeliever lives. Maybe you have tried 
so hard in your life to stop sinning. But we all know that that is impossible. Take, we see that in Psalm 51.5. It says, Surely I was sinful from birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Our sin-filled and unclean lives are with us from the day we are born, from the time we die. And since we are trapped in our unclean, sin-filled lives, then we even ask ourselves, why does God want me to be his servant? And this list of sins and uncleanliness that I just made is a list that is true if we are not connected to Jesus. But Jesus' connection to us saves us from all of our sins. We are forgiven. Take a look at Isaiah 6, verse 6 to 7. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. We know that our God is a holy God, a God who hates sin, a God who wants to destroy sin. So then, how did God destroy sin? God destroyed sin by sending his son Jesus to this earth. Jesus lived a perfect life, which means he did not sin at all. And it is something that we are not able to do. Jesus was also true God, meaning that he was the perfect representation of Jesus. And that perfect representation, Jesus, God's own son, was sacrificed for us and for our sins. And that sacrifice leaves a burnt coal on the altar for each and every one of us so that when we are touched by that burnt coal to our lips, we are changed from unclean, awful, rotten sinner to clean, forgiven, a child of God. That sacrifice did more than just forgive us our sins. That sacrifice allowed us to be called worthy as servants of God. Now we are able to say the words Isaiah said to the Lord in verse 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. We can and will want to say with great confidence, send me. And we will do this because it is everything that the Lord has done. He has changed our perspective and our motivation 
with the forgiveness of sins. And how should we act or how will we want to act for our holy God? Well, we will want to tell people of their sins and tell them to confess to God their sins so that they can live a peaceful, forgiven life. Instead of bringing them to an unbeliever whose life is different than a believer's. We will want to forgive the sins of the people who hurt us and help them live in that forgiveness and peace. And we will want to share that gospel message with all people because in that gospel message, we see the forgiveness of sins. We see the thing that motivates us, that changes our perspective, that brings us peace and comfort, that brings us eternal life. Now, before we head out for this morning, I would like us to go back to hymn 573. And I would like us to take a look at verse 4. It starts off by saying, Let none hear you idly saying, There is nothing I can do. When Jesus is connected to you, you will not be saying, There is nothing I can do. Instead, you will be saying, What can I do? You will understand that the end goal here is death and that you have a gospel-saving message for all people and to help them know that their sins are forgiven. When you are connected to Jesus, your perspective, your motivation changes. It changes you from that awful sinner that we really are into the person who is forgiven loved by God, a child. When we are connected to Jesus, we will want to say, send me, Lord, send me. Amen. Time is precious. Thank you so much for investing some of your time with us today. Could I ask you for one more favor? If you're enjoying this podcast, please don't forget to click subscribe and give us a rating. Just a few seconds of your time will help other people hear the simple, straightforward Bible message we offer. Thank you so much. God bless your day in Christ.